Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast, and in any linked materials, is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 15 of season 1 of This Osteopathic Life. It's reflected on topics I'd like to present for today. I circled around to that of a workshop I had scheduled for today in Traverse City, Michigan, entitled Gather for Health. And for various reasons, there were no enrollees in this workshop. And while in some ways that could serve as room for disappointment or envisioning of time or resources wasted, it actually ended up being the perfect circumstance for the day and for what I needed for my own health, an opportunity to think about what it means to gather and what it means to be connected. So for this episode, I'm going to walk you through some of the objectives for this workshop. And as I spoke last time, look at some practical measures that you can use to help engage in your health. And also talk about what it means to kind of go with the flow and embrace opportunities as they present themselves, perhaps with a greater wisdom of the universe than what we might have actually concocted on our own. So as I established the objectives for this morning and the purpose of this workshop being to sum up the theme of the month in the clinic where I'm working in Michigan called Table Health about community connection and the impacts on community and social connections on our health. And so the main objectives for the day were to discuss the importance of social connection for health, review some challenges and discover creative solutions, explore movement options that connect to self and others, and learn how to utilize food to nourish our body and relationships. And so as you join me today, we're going to work through those, and I'm encouraged and excited to share them with you. I've mentioned show notes previously, and I'd like to get there, and my goal for tomorrow, I'm going to let myself have this day to pause, is to get better at the show notes, starting with this episode, because there are some key resources I'd really like to make readily available to you. And that's my task, show notes for this and previous episodes. So stay tuned and look for that after Sunday, May 19th. When I talk about the impact of social connection on health with patients every day, with friends, in lectures and workshops, it's important to know the why. You know, why is it important to have these connections and what truly is the impact on our health, and it can be challenging because there's a lot to discover and to work on, 
in health. We often think about diet and exercise. You know, last time we talked about body, mind, and spirit, and we talked about that largely with ourselves. We did encourage the expansion of that concept beyond and looking at how we can utilize our community to do that. But let's take it back a notch even and look at what does it even mean to have a community and why is it important to have one? And one of my favorite resources is from a PhD, Emma Seppala, and she has great information online. Her last name is spelled S-E-P-P-A-L-A, and her website is www.emmaseppala.com. There are infographics, there are lectures, books, TED Talks, and I would encourage you to explore that. And I'm going to walk you through some of her key points from an infographic she entitles Connect to Thrive as she explores what social connection is and what the importance of it can be on our health. In thinking of connection, what I appreciate on this title comment from her is that it's a subjective experience of feeling close to and a sense of belongingness with others. And the piece that was really helpful for me generally and particularly today is that subjective experience. And particularly in my current personal situation where I am kind of on a 75-25 split where I spend three weeks a month out in Southern Oregon and one week a month in Michigan. And I'm in different groups in each place. I'm with my family. With the time I'm in Oregon, I'm on my own during the time I'm in Michigan, although my family of origin is in Michigan and there are opportunities to meet up with them during some of my visits. But that subjective experience and what it can mean to be connected even if we're not physically present with someone and ways we can nurture and harness those relationships is really key for me, especially during this particular trip here today. And what are the benefits? Let's start with the positive. Let's see the health. Let's see the good of having social connection. It's been shown in scientific studies to increase longevity. So duration of life is improved when we have that again feeling of being connected it can improve our immunity they're looking at gene expression so on the cellular level what's happening in connection folks who identify as being connected in community are shown to have a better immune response can decrease rates of anxiety and depression loneliness is often a prime contributor to that so being socially connected reduces those rates and severity of anxiety and depression. It can raise our self-esteem and our capacity for empathy. Being connected allows us to understand the experiences of others. And I spend a lot of time talking about this with my children and recognizing that two people can have the same experience, the same events can happen, and their perception of it can be very different. And being connected to others allows us to both communicate with them directly about how they experience a certain series of events and to appreciate that others might take, receive, hear, feel things differently. And it broadens our capacity for that understanding of experience of an expression of emotions. And that rolls into the capacity for better regulation of our emotions. When we can understand the full scope, when we can have the experience of feeling a fuller scope of emotions, 
when we can know that they're all okay and what it can be like and feel like to have those different sentiments in our body and what to do with them, we become better at regulating them. We can, we become better at taking action on them in a healthy and productive and meaningful way. And social connection creates a positive feedback loop, social, emotional, physical well-being. And as we talked about body, mind, and spirit last week, again, one can feed the other. As we are connected, that can bolster all of those. And as each piece of that pie becomes richer, it helps the other. So those are the benefits. Those are reasons why it's positive for our health to have high social connection. Looking at that lesion model, we talk about this in osteopathy, that it's great to focus on the health, but sometimes we do have to identify the problem, see what's limiting to better treat it, and also to understand and perhaps be better motivated to work against it and find a solution and remedy those gaps and poor social connections we might have. Low social connection can actually be worse for your health than smoking, high blood pressure, and obesity. We think about all the recommendations we make in medicine. Quit smoking, change your diet, exercise more, take these medications for blood pressure, regulate your blood pressure. When in fact, we could be making a worse impact on our health by the lack of social connection. And certainly all of those need attention, and it can be hard to do all the things at once, but it's important to note as a healthcare provider, as a physician, that when we're making these recommendations to our patients, it's important to understand, to ask directly, to listen for those limitations and challenges in social connection that might be undermining all of their greatest efforts in the other categories that often come up and that are often promoted as meaningful use and initiatives and sources of reimbursements, you know, compliance with medications and blood sugar and blood pressure control are often at the forefront. But social connection doesn't always have that same checkbox. And it's one we need to put on our inventory of health with every patient and find out what their sense of social connection is. Again, the sense of it is really key. And if it is poor, what ways can we help highlight that for them? Low social connection can increase inflammation. And in the media, various books and shows and articles all talk about inflammation as a cause of illness, chronic disease, and ways to lower inflammation. We talk a lot about the anti-inflammatory diet. People take anti-inflammatory medications. We use supplements that are anti-inflammatory But low social connection can do the same thing as some of those poor choices in diet and exposures in the environment can. So bearing that in mind, when we're coaching the reduction of inflammation, that that also means nurturing social connection. Higher susceptibility to anxiety and depression. So the flip side of what we just talked about where high social connection reduces anxiety and depression, low social connection can increase it. It also makes us slower to recover from diseases. So when we do get exposures, infections or otherwise, when we lack that social network, and again, we're talking about the sense of it, um, that makes it harder for us to recover from disease. 
From a public health perspective, low social connection leads to increased antisocial behavior and violence. And we're definitely in an epidemic of violence against ourselves and against each other. And there are various schools of thought. Mental health management, which is key. Gun control, which is key in its own discussion. But low social connection is often the breeding ground for these acts of violence. And when we feel disconnected from ourselves, from our family, from our community, from an adequate uh, source of peers, it lowers that threshold to allow individuals to commit acts of violence against one another or against themselves. And it's so important to look for that, to listen for that, to find ways to nurture that and promote higher social connection for the health of our communities. And what are the current stats? You know, how are people relating to a sense of connection in our country? And it's interesting, I've been listening to a book by Mark Manson recently, and it talks about even though many things are the best they've ever been, where you know, our resources, science, innovation, you know, advances in medicine are all the best they've ever been in the course of human history, our sense of the world is at its lowest. It's on this rapidly declining trajectory and the loneliness, isolation, and alienation are all on the rise. And why is that? You know, is it a double-edged sword? The better things get, the better we expect them to be. And we have unmet expectations and a lack of sense of hope. I'm still getting through that book, and when I do, I'll put it up as a book review on the website. But to that end, as of 2004, 25% of Americans claim they have no one, not one person, that they could call upon to share a personal problem with. And that is a huge lack of resource that could be critical to the health of so many individuals. Loneliness is the main reason why people seek, seek psychological counseling. And it's so important, and counseling can be so beneficial. But nurturing this sense of connection can also be a day-to-day maintenance assist for folks. And so what can we do about it? How can you increase social connection? What should a person do? And there's a big movement or growing awareness of introversion in our society. If you follow the New York Times bestselling author, uh, Glennon Doyle, she posted this recently. And everyone's kind of surprised that all of a sudden it's vogue, perhaps, to be an introvert or perhaps now we're just allowing for that to be an acceptable way to be in the world and making space for it. But being connected doesn't mean you have to be extroverted and go to parties or big gatherings. It truly means that you need to have an internal and subjective sense of connection. And that can be nurtured with a very small number of people. And it begins with yourself. And it was so great when I came back to this infographic today after this morning for myself and noted, and this is all, again, been from Dr. Seppala's website and infographic, and I credit her for her amazing work with this, and I'm grateful to be able to share it with you. 
that as long as you feel connected to others on the inside, you still get the benefit of being connected. And so for today, this workshop was called Gather for Health, and it was meant to bring people together and address challenges they might have, come up with solutions, talk about simple ways to connect through movement and nutrition in collective. But a key piece that we can't skip the step of, and I'll credit the universe today with holding that space, is to begin with being connected to oneself. And another favorite of mine, who I've mentioned previously, is Brene Brown in her book, Braving the Wilderness, addresses this as well, that the sense of belonging has to begin with belonging to yourself. And often we try to skip that step. And today, I was given opportunity to take pause and reinforce that step. And it began with getting in touch with my own thoughts and feelings and thinking about what support I need, what support I can give to others, what it means to gather, and that it doesn't always mean a large group or a party. It could be as simple is taking the space together with your own thoughts and to be connected with them and really distill down to what it is that you truly need. And then it can grow into the connection with one person. So though no enrollees participated today, my co-teacher came and held space with me and provided opportunity for the two of us to connect and to share. And I really needed personally, someone today just to talk to and to share experience with. And she was that for me very effectively. And we sat in the kitchen and we baked some cookies. And I'll share that recipe with you because it's fantastic and simple. It doesn't mean that you should eat emotionally or fill the void, but it means you can find joy in the creation of something together. She prepared the dry ingredients. I prepared the wet. We combined them sampled the dough because it was egg-free and we could do so, baked it, walked together, and shared a few cookies over discussion. And it was precisely what I needed on the day, and she felt restored by it as well, and we were successful. We gathered for health. We nourished, we moved, we shared, we problem-solved, and we held the workshop for a party of two. And that was what we needed for today. And so I would encourage you to be creative in that way and to make sure the first stop is with yourself and a quick inventory and a check-in to see what it is you need, what it is you seek. Think about to whom you might feel connected and send thoughts out to them. That could be mentally, that could be in writing, for my birthday one year, I wrote a card a day, a handwritten note, and I wrote it to a unique person each day. And it was a fantastic exercise in thinking of those people throughout the course of my life. Because if you do that every day for a year, you have to get pretty broad on the spectrum of folks you might know. And just send out gratitude or thoughts or awareness through the post. And that's slowing down that pace of it. You know, it took sending out that letter and the time it took to get there through the mail and the response if it came back by mail even longer. 
which took some adjustment in the beginning because we're used to these immediate responses of text and email and phone even when we still make a phone call and to wait that time and be okay as well if there was no response. Just knowing that sending it out there was establishing connection from my end. And one caveat was that a number of these people, I had never seen their handwriting. I had only ever communicated with them in this modern area via electronic medium. So it was really interesting to gain that piece. So I'd say in that check-in, journaling as well, sharing your thoughts with yourself and distilling them down. I begin every day with a variety of gratitude journals because I have a hard time honing in on one style. But sharing gratefulness for the day and trying to start at the beginning of the day with what I'm grateful for. It's often a reflection on the day past or an intention set for the day going forward. And at the end of the day, I have a guided journal that gives me prompts and I'll write in response to whatever is suggested in there. And in those ways, I'm creating that positive feedback loop internally. And it often encourages me to think about others and with whom I've interacted or who I might want to connect with that I haven't in a while. So those are some ways you can get creative and start with yourself. And then in so doing, if a person arises or a particular need arises and you think, I need to talk about this or I need to experience this, I need some support with this, who can you reach out to? And if the answer is no one, perhaps starting with your healthcare provider and they can reflect back to you in your stories, someone who might be of use to you in that regard, or make some suggestions or invite you to a community event where you can begin to cultivate those relationships. And that's another piece of the intention of the workshops here is to be seen and heard and acknowledged in community and expand that circle or start to draw the circle if right now it's just a point that is you. Beyond that, thinking of different ways to break into social connection and sometimes that's challenging, especially for those of us who tend more toward the introverted phenomena. But we do have a number of opportunities. Meetups are available online in our community in Oregon. Our gym was a big gathering space for us with potlucks and book clubs and seminars and classes that are you know, taught in a group setting where you can connect. In the clinic here in Michigan, we offer cooking classes and Soul Soothing Sundays and Friday Family Fun Nights with natural ways to gather And yesterday, there was a community event called Meet Me at the Commons, and the local bike club put it together with a gentle invite to meet and enjoy the open space and the trails in our beautiful setting here, and just walk and talk and meet someone you hadn't before and connect through movement. And so I encourage you to seek ways like that, that are low-key, low-skill, you know, a game night, a trivia night, a book club, a walking group, a run club. And there can be levels of intimidation. You know, there's often, particularly in CrossFit, which was a medium for me for many years, that you have to be fit to begin, which is not the case. And you just have to be present to begin. You just have to show up. And 
Run Club as well. There's going to be various paces that will welcome you. And maybe it's a walking club or maybe you start it, you know, put it out there and reach out. And if just one person shows up, that's gathering, that's connecting, that's, you know, gaining in relationship. And another way that we gather is through food. And our family has always had kind of the open door policy, the kitchen table, gather round phenomena. And that's from my childhood and also in my family now as a married person with children. We gather for meals with others more nights than not. I can think back even in the earliest days when we just had our oldest at home and he would often say, who's coming to dinner tonight? And it was almost an unusual experience to not have someone join us. And you know, I really enjoy that. It's fun to cook with people, cook for people, be cooked for by people, sharing meals and food and recipes and ideas, but it's really about the gathering. It's a conversation that happens during the prep time and the dialogue that happens over the table and the experience of children gathering and parents gathering. And that's really been a huge piece of our time in Southern Oregon. And one of a big, the big draws that took us back there and it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, it's not a dinner party per se. It's pretty informal. It's making a simple soup or a salad and gathering people around, inviting them in, taking yourself to their home and just sharing, sharing time and space and nourishment and learning together. I can think back to an early experience where we made it a bit of a competition I'm a competitive person by nature, and we had a chili cook-off event during that Christmas holiday season, and everybody brought a crock pot of chili, and we sampled them all and voted on them, and that's a fun way to do it as well, a soup challenge, a salad challenge, a chili challenge, a bake-off, you know, just something to get you in the door, that gathering moment to bring it together, bring some creativity sharing skills, getting ideas, learning and dining together. Maybe it's making the meal together. The premise for today was both the cookie baking, and that was fantastic, and it was definitely appropriate for two people. We also anticipated kind of the stone soup phenomena, where everybody brings an ingredient and puts it all together and makes that meal from their individual contribution coming to create the whole that's another simple idea. Kids are a great way to help us break into that socialization and join together as the kids play, allow the parents to engage as well. So those are some simple ways that we can gather. It can be intimidating to launch it, but sometimes we have to take that chance and reach out and you know, set the intention and let go of the results. These people may not become your best friends, but they might. You know, they might become, at the very least, someone you could call upon in a moment when you needed backup, big or small. And so rounding out this infographic from Dr. Seppala, thinking about the internal sense of connection, how you can nurture and build that. And her recommendations are to give, share, support, and do acts of service and kindness for others. 
and I think many of those practical examples we touched on today serve that. And we do get nurturing of our own soul by reaching out for others. And it can also highlight for us what we need and how we need that and how we give and receive effectively. Number two is take care of oneself. And that was highlighted well for me today. You know, we become more stressed when we are not caring for ourselves, and that makes it harder to connect because if we're kind of in this internal chaos, there's less we can do to effectively reach out to others. So taking care and cultivating that internal environment is key. And to ask for help. Again, the lesson learned for me today was that I needed that time and I needed that someone to hear me and could I have cultivated that through the experience of lecturing to others and sharing ideas? I think likely, but the way it played out today was precisely how I needed it to happen. That one-on-one where I wasn't alone, I had gathered my own thoughts, reflected on my own needs, and then was able to communicate with someone who was able to listen effectively for me and to me and share her own experience. And it was really nurturing and helpful. And so consider those pieces. So I'm going to go back and verify that we've achieved what we set out to do today. Looking at the importance of social connection for health, we touched on the pluses and the minuses, the benefits and the detractors of a high and of a low social connection. Looked at some challenging ways that connection can exist and doesn't exist for us and finding some creative solutions. And I'd love for you to share back what yours might be if you have some ways you've effectively found to nurture and cultivate connection to yourself, to your family, to your community, to the world. We looked at simple ways that movement can connect us. Looking at clubs, getting outside, even just being outside and gardening in your yard, you'll more likely be able to interact with others and Every time someone walks by and sees what you've planted, you know, you're showing them that sense of connection to community. And then looking at how food can nourish our body as well as our relationships. You know, learning how to dine together, learning from each other, and learning to gather for health. So thank you for joining me for this podcast. Thank you to my co-teacher for joining me this morning. And thank you to all with whom I'm connected near and far in teaching me and nurturing my capacity to gather for health. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.